This evening's reading is from 1 Peter, chapter 2, starting at verse 4 and reading through to verse 12. Uh, And if you want to follow it in the Church Bibles, it's on page 1218. It's a section entitled The Living Stone and a Chosen People. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Well, on Sunday evenings at the moment, we're looking at the question of how can we be sure we are saved? It's a question that I'm sure we all ask of ourselves at some point. Am I really a Christian? When I die, will I really go to be with Jesus? Or will he turn me away? Have I really understood what it means to be a Christian? After all, I look at my life and uh, I still struggle with this or that sin. How can I possibly be acceptable to God? Well, the good news is that God wants us as Christians to live and to die with confidence. Confidence that we have been saved. He doesn't want us to be afraid about the future. He doesn't want us to be uncertain that we have eternal life. And so it's with that in mind that um, we are looking at the key issues of salvation on Sunday evenings. As you look down the list of sermons um, over the next few weeks, the common factor in all of them that gives us assurance is that it is the work of God. It is God, we looked at last time, who chose us. It is God, as we will look in the coming weeks, who justified us who has adopted us as his children. It is God who is sanctifying us and who promises that he will never let us perish and who promises that we will one day be glorified. It is all of God, lest we should boast. 
And this evening we're looking at how God called us out of darkness into light. Fortunately, Jeff picked up the typo before we went to print. Originally it said, God called us out of light into darkness. Um, whoops. Now we're going to be moving around the Bible a bit this evening rather than staying with one passage. So get your fingers ready and start to, to do a bit of work. But what do we understand by calling? Because we often ask ourselves, what is God calling me to do? When people ask me why, why I gave up banking, it was because God called me uh, into to the ministry. But how God calls his followers to serve him in specific situations is a different sense of calling from the one we're looking at this evening. Because this is the calling by which we are saved. And the three questions I'd like to try and answer this evening. The first of those is what does it mean to be called? How can our calling help us be sure that we are saved? And how should we respond to that calling? Before I start, can I recommend this um, this quite little book here, quite short book, 150 pages, I think, called Christian Beliefs, 20 Basics Every Christian Should Know. Those basics include questions like, um, what is God like? Um, What is the Trinity? What is the Atonement? Um, It also goes on to explain what these aspects of salvation mean that we're looking at. So it has a chapter on election, on justification, adoption, sanctification, perseverance, etc. If you're feeling more ambitious than than 150 pages, you could go to the same author's systematic theology. Um, But if you don't think you can manage that, I wouldn't recommend this one here. What does it mean then to to be called? Well, when we talk about being called in other contexts, it is usually about being called to do something, isn't it? Um, So Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is called up to the England team to do the job for England, to make sure that we win our match. The army were were called up to cover the security gaps during the Olympics. But simply because you are called to do something doesn't mean that you will be able to do it particularly well. And you may end up being a disappointment as Counting England managers have found out. But the most important thing about being called by God is that you're not called to do, but you're called to be. You're called to be one of his people. Let's turn to Isaiah in the Old Testament, Isaiah 43. And you'll find that on page 728 of the Church Bibles. Isaiah 43, reading from verse 1. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. Great verses to read for comfort whenever you are going through tough times or about to, to go through something you're worried about. To be called by God is the process by which he summons people to him as they, as they hear the gospel message and as they respond 
in faith. You receive the privilege of belonging to him, being part of his people. To be summoned can give a negative impression, can't it? John Terry being summoned by the FA Disciplinary Committee. But to be summoned by God is the incredible privilege of being called to join his people. I'm sure that's how the, the six games makers felt at the Paralympics closing ceremony. As they represented those 70,000 games makers, they were called, they were summoned to be there as part of that closing ceremony. When you're summoned or called by God, you can't refuse, and nor would you want to refuse. The reference in 1 Peter 2, the passage which uh, Lionel read for us, is also about becoming part of God's people. Have a look uh, back in that passage, page 1218. It says there in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, God called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. These verses describe the change that takes place as you become a people of God. You, you come out of darkness into light. But again, what does that mean to come out of darkness? Well, the, the image of darkness is used in the Bible often to describe the world of sin. It conveys the fact that when we are walking in sin, we are, we are blind, we are stumbling around. We cannot see the truth. All is dark. And the light, on the other hand, is truth. It is life. It is freedom. It shows us the way to Jesus Christ, the way to the Father. The trouble is the Bible also tells us in John 3 that when Jesus came as the light into the world, people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone, it says, who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. So we have this situation where people love darkness, they love following their own desires, they don't want to come into the light, and yet some do come into the light. Some come out of the world and become part of God's people. How is that possible? Well, the answer is that God makes it possible. And the way he does that is by his mercy. Once you had not received mercy... But now you have received mercy. In calling you to be one of his people, he is saving you from the punishment that you deserve, that each one of us deserves. That is his calling. But if that is what being called means, to become one of God's people, to come out of darkness into his light, then how does being called help us know that we are saved? Well, the first point is that God's call is effective. He ensures that when we hear the gospel message, that we will respond in faith. We will belong to him. So, for example, if you read the story in Acts 16 of how Paul and Timothy and Silas go to Philippi, and uh, they go out to outside the city to a river where they start talking to some women who are, who are there, uh, one of them being Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. And we're told that she was a God-worshipper. But we're also told that the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Paul told her the message of the gospel. To some, 
It just um, went in and straight out again. But God opened her heart to respond to that message. And she was baptised. Now that is different from what is sometimes referred to as the the general call, the gospel call. The gospel is preached or explained and a call is made for people to respond, giving the promise of forgiveness and eternal life. One of the organisations responsible for yesterday's um, National Day of Prayer at Wembley Stadium was the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. And people think back still to those Billy Graham crusades of the 50s and 60s, maybe some here who, who attended those. But hundreds of people came forward at the end of those rallies and gave their lives to Christ. But of course, not everybody did. Some would have gone along and thought, well, that was very interesting, but not for me. When people hear the gospel message, there will be some who respond with great interest, who may end up committing their lives to Jesus Christ, but others who haven't really got a clue what we're talking about. Or they may see the sort of the sense in it, it's logical, but they're just not prepared to allow it to change their lives. We are free to do what our wills want us to do. But we are not free to change our wills. Only God can do that. Now that is what God meant when he spoke through the prophet Ezekiel, when he said, I will give you a new heart. This was a prophecy he was making and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. We cannot respond to the gospel message unless we have that new spirit in us, unless we have hearts that are open to receive it. Another prayer and a word you hear, another Christian word you hear for that that process of changing us inside is um, regeneration. You younger guys might have heard of that um, in Doctor Who. Whenever he uh, dies, he um, undergoes a transformation, a new physical form, a new um, personality. Quite a convenient way of uh, allowing an actor who's had enough to move on and a new one to, to take his place. But regeneration in the Bible doesn't involve changing our appearance, our, our personality. It involves changing our character and our will. It involves a change from wanting to worship ourselves to wanting to worship God. And that work, that work of regeneration in us, that is God's spirit working inside us. But how do we know if that has taken place in us? Let's have a look at um, a passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. There's a question of how do we respond to the gospel message. One Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty one. Sorry, one Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty one now. Page one one four four. For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. 
But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. The foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. The gospel message very simply is that we are all sinners, as I'm sure you know, that the penalty for sin is death and yet Jesus died on the cross to pay that penalty for us. Paul preached that message, the gospel message, to to everyone, whether they were Jews or Greeks. He called everyone to trust in the death of Christ and follow him as their Saviour and Lord. But it was God who made that call effective. Some people will hear the gospel and think, that's just foolishness and trust in their own wisdom. But if we see in Christ crucified the power of God, the wisdom of God, then it's because we belong to those who God has called. And that should give us a great sense of assurance that we are saved. If you're a Christian here this evening, it's because God has called you by his irresistible grace. You were once dead in your sins and he called you to life. And you will each have a different different testimony of how he did that in your life. But a common factor in each of those stories will be that it was God that did it. Another reason why being called helps us to know we are saved is that God calls those he has chosen. God's calling of us goes hand in hand with his choosing us, which is what we looked at last time when we looked at Ephesians chapter 1. This is what it says there in Ephesians 1. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will. God chose us to be holy and blameless. He chose us to be his children. And if he chose us to be that, then he needs to ensure that that will actually happen. You can't choose someone and then let them see if they will respond to the gospel message. You can't look ahead and and see who might respond and then say, oh yes, I, I chose them. God chose us and then called us by his power to be his children so that he could create in us that faith, that holiness that he predestined us to have. Isn't that a great thing to know? God's call is part of his choosing us. Let's turn to another passage to see how these two come together. So we'll look at uh, Romans uh, chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, page 1135. Read familiar words to, to many of you, I'm sure. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. God chose us so that we can become like Christ, He called us so that he could achieve 
his purposes. And for that to happen, he needed to justify us, he needed to glorify us, as we will look at in the coming weeks. Well, finally, being called can help us be sure we are saved because God's call is irrevocable. In Romans 11, it says, um, the God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. God doesn't change his mind about his call. He, doesn't, he can't really change his mind. That would imply that he makes a, a less than perfect decision that he has to somehow go back on. God doesn't choose us because he thinks we are the best people to serve him, to do his work. He chooses us despite all our inadequacies because he loves us, because he wants us to be part of his people. Again, a great privilege. Well, finally, having looked at how being called helps us to know we are saved, how should we respond then to that calling, to the fact that we have been called? Let's go back to the passage we started at with 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We are called to declare his praises. He is God. He has shown us mercy, mercy we didn't deserve, and therefore he is worthy of all our praise. And how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, obviously, when we come together, it's great to sing of his goodness, as we have done this evening. It's great to praise him in our prayers as we listen to his word preached. But what about tomorrow as we go into our different situations? How do we then praise God in all of life? When we're in the office, when we're in our schools, when we're at home, when we may be in hospital. We will only be able to praise him if we are fully grateful for what he has done for us if we appreciate what it means to have been called by him, if we are sure that we are saved because of what he has done for us, it is then that we can follow those words. You know the song, Blessed Be Your Name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn into praise. There are so many blessings we receive every day. We saw that video earlier on, just a normal day. Just all those little things, just the the making of the coffee. We can praise God for it. There's so many things we take for granted. Think of our families, our friends, our homes, our food. But praise him for those individual acts of kindness we receive, the the text message of encouragement, the phone call, the the conversation, just the, the smile, the laughter, aspects of living, the beauty of God's world. Let people see that we are are people who are full of gratitude. We're not cynical like the world. We're not bitter like the world. We are grateful. But of course, life is not always full of, of blessing. And that song continues, doesn't it? When the darkness closes in, still I will say, Lord, blessed be your name. We can still praise the Lord in suffering for the way it produces in us character and perseverance, for the way we have to depend on the Lord, for the way it makes us more like Christ. 
It's only when we suffer do we experience God in a very new and real way. Let's respond to our calling by praising him. And secondly, by let's just turn to Ephesians. I think our last cross-reference this evening. You'll be pleased to, to hear. Ephesians chapter 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. A life worthy of that calling is marked by characteristics here that demonstrate our total gratitude to God, our tender dependence on him for all we have. Humility, gentleness, patience, love for one another, peace. The total opposite of pride and arrogance that thinks we are all we are because of our own efforts. We are all we are because of God's mercy. And so going back to those questions that we have from time to time, how can I be sure I am saved when I see the, the sin that is still in my life, when I still struggle? It's precisely because you worry about those things, that you worry about those areas of the life where you want to be more humble and gentle and patient that demonstrates that you have been called, that you want to live a life that is worthy of that calling. It shows you have been saved. The Spirit is working in you to make you more like Jesus Christ. Well, as we finish, to be called by God is a tremendous privilege. It is to have our hearts changed, to come out of the darkness into the light so that we can respond to the gospel message, so that we can put our trust in Jesus Christ for our salvation, so we can become part of his people. It's a huge privilege that he has enabled us to see in the cross of Christ the power, the wisdom of God. It's a huge privilege to know that he chose us before he called us. And we can respond in praise and living lives worthy of that calling. What about if you haven't yet responded to God's call? If you're sitting here thinking, well, that hasn't, that's not me yet, the person you're talking about. That hasn't happened to me yet. But the question for you is, do you want God to change your heart? Do you want to belong him, to him? Do you want to be saved? Because when the crowd asked the apostles that, that same question, brothers, what must I do to be saved? The answer came back. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in him for your salvation and you will be saved. Respond to the gospel call and it will become clear that God has called you. Let's have a moment of of quiet to thank God in our hearts for what he has done. Maybe to, to speak to him and ask him to to make clear to you that calling. And I'll close in prayer.
Father, for those of us here this evening who know what it is like to have been called out of darkness, who know what it is like to live in your wonderful light, we give you thanks and we give you praise. We thank you for what it means to belong to you, to be part of your people. We thank you for the privilege that is. And we thank you that that will last not just for this life, but for eternity. And Lord, with that sense of gratitude in us, we pray that you would enable us to live lives full of praise, to turn every blessing into praise, to live lives worthy of our calling. And may people see in us that that humility, that patience, that peace, that love for one another, that they too may turn in praise to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.